Welcome to Energetic Influence, where we discuss energy in all its forms, including spiritual, and its influence on us collectively and as individuals. And now your host of Energetic Influence, David Houston. All right, thank you for joining me again. I uh, was talking to a friend of mine about the Bind Council. Now, I did not come up with that word or phrase. That phrase was conveyed to me from Derek and Sharon Gilbert, and then they shared it from a gentleman named Dr. Michael Heiser. And I've mentioned all three of these people before, and I can only encourage you to do your research, find them on the internet, books from them, podcasts from them. Uh, They bring a lot of explanation to this notion of a divine council. In scripture, we read about a lot of disembodied or ethereal or spiritual beings in the reading of the scripture. It gives us enough information to move the story along without going too deep into any one subject. And with that said, to get deeper in certain subjects, one might have to go outside of Scripture into other writings from that time period, other information sources from areas or peoples from that time period. And you have historians and you have other, well, there's the whole plethora of books mentioned in the Bible that aren't in the Bible. Uh, Then you have the one book that we do have that is mentioned in the Bible, that's referenced in the Bible, that's quoted in the Bible, and certain Bible authors show knowledge of this book because of certain ways they phrase certain statements in the New Testament, and that would be the book of Enoch. It's pseudographica, or pseudography, pseudography. It is... It means basically two things that I can recall. One, a collection of books that didn't make it in the Bible. Two, it means books written and then ascribed an author that no one believes actually was the author. To understand certain phrases that are in the Bible, it does help to know what that ancient person was thinking what that ancient person was writing, what kind of psychology that person had, what was going on around them, what was their environment like. And then one can understand possibly the phrase or the statement. If you were to read something that a person in 2022 wrote, say in 3033, 1,000 years from now, statements that we take for granted, such as, out in left field or turn on the light I don't know just something common that we have clear understanding of what that means a thousand years from now they may not know what that means and so for us to assume we know what these ancient writers mean without digging a little deeper do we really think we're that smart that we know (laughs) what these authors were thinking and so that's why it does help to be able to read others other writing to uh, make use of other parts of the scripture to help explain 
the scripture itself. When we do read, read about these other spiritual, ethereal, or non-corporeal spirit beings, well, the Bible's full of supernatural activity. The Bible is written with a supernatural background as its underlying component for us to assume otherwise would be to just have a grand story to read and to contemplate and to discuss and to talk about but when we think of the supernatural aspect of the scriptures then one needs to understand the supernatural aspect of the scriptures in every word of the scripture in every phrase of the scripture not just the part that we're used to or the part that we're accustomed to we happen to be uh, in November now and clearly the media and the corporate interests are gearing up in the Western world for Christmas again a celebration of the birth of the Messiah Jesus Yeshua the birth of Jesus what's interesting is there is some significant research that points to September 11th as being his actual birthday that's another story another subject another episode possibly but the point is we have accommodated our pagan friends with the celebration of Jesus's birth on December 25th and there is a plethora of pagan ritual and other mythology to go along with why December 25th was picked however aside from that it is that time of year Thinking about the virgin birth, that is a supernatural event that most Christians have no problem. They, they, they believe that wholeheartedly. That is just part of their belief system, structure, mentality. And when you begin to get into some other areas of spiritual or supernatural discussion, their mind or their face goes blank and you can tell that they, they've kind, you've kind of lost them. By opening the scriptures and realizing the scriptures are about supernatural events as they interact with human counterparts or human part human components along the way the scriptures begin to make a little more sense as to why is this phrase why is this verse why is this book in the bible and hopefully by understanding it from a supernatural point of view one can accept the supernatural level of information that the Bible contains and not be frightened of it, not be scared of it. I was just thinking tonight, just the whole fear mentality of the the world so concerned with death or anything that would take away from life. Well, it just shows you where we are as a species concerning our everlasting unending soul um, if, if one were not too worried about it then death would have no hold no fear over you and with the level of fear that one can look around and see just kind of gives an indication as to just how fearful the whole world is that's really a sad state and it could be a direct reference or finger pointing to the church for becoming so lazy and it's method or mentality or its ability or its choosing to share the gospel with other people to point people to the path of everlasting life to be able to uh, not live in fear to not allow people who just because they have a lot of money 
think that they can control you or they think that they can make a statement and you abide by it in a republic which is what the United States is the rule of law is our guide as far as law goes the sad part is when you have evil corrupt people in office enacting ridiculous unfounded unjust laws then the issue is getting rid of those corrupt individuals and repealing unjust laws and putting in just and sound laws the the laws that promote individualism the laws that promote freedom personal freedom laws that promote the ability for people to be basically left alone if that's what they choose or what they want and so the influence that the spiritual realm has had on humankind since the beginning is tremendous and it is so subtle it is so tiny that it it in its subtlety and in its tininess it has great impact because if it can influence a million people to think one way just a little bit then you've got a million people behind that thought versus say one person with one evil thought that's horrendous everyone could see that particular person and the problem with that one particular thought as a problem and that person and problem could be eradicated whereas a million people thinking the same thing and just because they think it that doesn't necessarily make it right that doesn't necessarily make it appropriate just because it becomes accepted and I'll have to look up the quote I forget how it went or who said it but basically it went something like this and that was just because you believe something doesn't mean that it's right and there's more to it and I can't remember what it is but that's the that's the basics of it and it's pretty clear when you think about it for the evil influence of the fallen realm to have on humankind at a subtle level to where incrementally and and when i say incrementally there there there's no big rush on their part they know they're doomed they know they're not going to make it you probably know some people that would rat on you or tell on you or you know i forget what the term is now but if they catch say someone in a position they shouldn't be and they say well just tell us where you got it and then we'll let you go they would throw you under the bus so quick it's ridiculous and that's what these the fallen realm is doing is they're not worried about each other or throwing themselves or humankind under the bus they they like i said they know they're doomed and so they want to take down as many as they can with them being aware of this being aware of these tactics being aware of the fact that this is going on and then to see how the corporate media has basically just taken on that whole persona if you could give it that um, that they have taken on the almost the the banner of standing up for whatever is not right <laughs> for embracing and encouraging behavior that is non-conducive for basically health the propagation of the species thinking about the end of life i know that's a big thing i just have been made of well i've been made aware of it a long time ago but it's resurfaced in the whole um, assisted suicide state-sponsored suicide there's even some reports of attempting to allow children to 
be put to death at the hands of the state without parental consent. I mean, it's just ridiculous. And so, but this is embraced by the media. It's embraced by the uh, the people that are bent on evil, bent on wickedness, and that stems directly from the fallen realm's influence in our world today. Once once I get it written down and I, I'll be able to look at it and may possibly read it back to you, uh, I, I, I would like to look at the ancient gods that were worshipped, venerated, sacrificed to from way back. And I know I listed them at some point in the past, but I'll do it again more scholarly maybe. But the point is to point out how those ancient gods in the past basically, like I said, never left. But they're here and their influence has manifested in particular behaviors of people in our day and age. And so with that said, the the gods have rematerialized, if you want to think about it like that. Or they have rebranded themselves, if you want to think of it like that. And the the people that are just going right along with it, unknowingly or not, and see that's the that's the that's the challenge is can someone be held guilty for not knowing they're doing something wrong and i'm not the judge i'm not going to be the one to say yes or no on that just a thought as to whether a person is to be held responsible whether they know or not now i know in our society i think ignorance of the law is no excuse or something to that effect i get that and at the same time that that's almost a a cop out for say law enforcement or police power or whatever but if a person doesn't know they're participating in say an act toward or to or for an ancient god lowercase g god a created entity and and they don't know that that but somewhere inside of them i i just have a gut feeling that they know they have to know somewhere that that's not really the right choice they might they may convince themselves otherwise they may tell themselves otherwise they may even start a movement to help bring other people to that side or to that way of thinking and again just because a million or more people believe something to be true doesn't make it so it makes it accepted is what it does whether it makes it true or not truth stands on its own and acceptance can fall by the wayside because of who all embraces the acceptance and who all does not embrace the acceptance with this knowledge okay in genesis 3 1 we read about the serpent or in hebrew the nakash in Genesis 3:5, we read about the Elohim as gods. In Genesis 6, 2 through 4, we read about the sons of God. And again, that would be the Benai Elohim. In Genesis 6, 4, we've got the giants or the Nephilim. And there's a whole study on where that root word came from, whether it, it's the idea of fiery, burning, or if it's fallen, and again, Michael Heiser, who is a Hebrew scholar, makes a great, or has a great discussion on that particular word on the Nephilim, you know, is it fallen, is it giants, what is the truth, and it, basically he points out that the arguments all point to giants. All right, then you have the gods of Egypt, 
um, and they're referenced in Exodus 12, 12, Deuteronomy 4, 19 and 20, Deuteronomy 32, 8 and 9. Then you have the sons of God again in Job 1, 6. Then in Psalm 82, you have Elohim in the midst of Elohim. Now, this has been rendered God uh, was in the midst of lowercase g gods. Then in 1 Kings 11.33, you've got gods of foreign nations. Then in 1 Kings 22.19-23, you've got the divine council. And one of those entities comes before God and says, I will be a lying spirit and go into the mind and mouth of this individual to basically lie to whomever they are talking about going to lie to. Uh, in Daniel 4, you've got uh, the reference to the watchers, and what happened to Nebuchadnezzar was by decree of the watchers. Oh, and then in Jude chapter 1, verse 6, you've got uh, the discussion of the fallen and that would, I believe, be talking about the um, the angels, which we would take back to the sons of God in chapter 6 of Genesis, finding the daughters of man attractive and coming to earth to take on a body, basically copulate with them to produce offspring. Uh, and then in Second Peter verse, chapter 2, verse 4, we read about the angels that spared not uh, their first estate, and they then they sinned. So again, the the scriptures are full of supernatural activity. As long as one is able to continue and maintain, accept that, then the scriptures are amazing. They're 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 the 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 story that that is told is uh, very captivating, almost exciting, almost movie like compared to some movies I've seen. And so the to minimize the supernatural aspect of the scriptures or to only recognize the supernatural aspects of the scriptures to be, say, a immaculate conception, virgin birth, death and resurrection, well, you've you've just minimized the supernaturalness of the scriptures by Oh, probably 90% because there's so much more in there that is of supernatural discussion or language or understanding. Again, to minimize the supernatural, what that does in the human mind of today is to minimize it in the day-to-day -day thought, which allows a person to decide, well, this is my decision. This is what I decided on. This is how I feel. This is where I believe my decisions spring from or come from nobody but me the devil must have made me do it well if you think about it there's a lot of truth to that if you if you understand where i'm going with the supernatural influence in our life if one does accept the supernatural influence in our life well i would also like to think that if the evil fallen realm is influencing us then surely the heavenly godly realm would be influencing us the new testament lets us know 
very clearly that we are not bound to the sacrificial system that was put in place back in the Old Testament. We have been made free of those obligations uh, in the ultimate sacrifice given on the cross. With that, we no longer have to atone for our sins because they have been atoned for us. We just need to accept that and embrace that and attempt to live to those standards. Not attempt to live to the standards of the law, but attempt to live to the standards of Yeshua, Jesus, the New Testament. Whenever, and I need to know this, the reference, but he, Jesus himself says the whole scriptures are, can be summed up into two. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and, and, your, and your neighbor. And so, you know, if you can sum it up into those two things and not deviate from that, then those are now those are great and grand thoughts to think okay well if you scam somebody out of money that would be the reference to love your neighbor as yourself doesn't necessarily mean your neighbor next door neighbor it just means your fellow man your, your another individual or company or corporation you know so to to scam somebody to scam a corporation to fraudulently claim something that is a that is not honoring your friend. That's not honoring your neighbor. Again, now I'm not get, wanting to get preachy or anything like that. I'm just saying we've been freed from the law. So all we need to do now is live righteously. And I know none of us are righteous, but we don't have to live in sin. We don't have to live a sinful life, a life that is one that is questionable, one that is... Well, if you have to think about it, if you have to ponder, is this the right thing to do? Or am I doing the right thing? Well, if you have to ponder it, maybe you should really, really ponder it and ask yourself, is it the right thing to do? Is it truly godly? Is it going to benefit or is it going to detract from the advancement of humankind? There's a lot of people in the world that are good people. Yet they may have occupations, they may have duties, they may have business dealings that aren't necessarily the most up and up. Now, I'm not saying they're criminal, I'm just saying that maybe they could reevaluate the business decisions that they have made, are making, are considering on making, or to never make again if they feel they feel so inclined to change that aspect about their life again a side note something i read a long time ago and did a little research in was handwriting and there's a study even in i believe it's forensics where if they can analyze cursive handwriting they can tell a lot about the person who did the writing the flip side of cursive handwriting analysis is the notion of changing how you write in cursive to change a character trait in your life. I know that sounds over simplistic to some. Most people in the world don't even write in cursive, much less some people not even writing at all because all they do is text or type into a keyboard. But if one does write in cursive and there's a character trait that they do not like about themselves, they can find that in the character trait analysis of cursive handwriting and by consciously changing their handwriting they can change that character trait about themselves 
and it's a pretty interesting thing um without getting into it we can make a whole episode of that just in one night but the point is change the point is consciously being mindful of your decisions your actions your words your thoughts your deeds and choosing to have actions and words and thoughts and deeds that are uplifting that are beneficial for that individual and for those around that individual i know i am working on modifying my communication within my family to not always be directing them to conform or change to the way i think they should do something and to be more kind to be more loving to be more receiving of what they do have to offer and not be in a judgmental and i'm not saying i'm being judgmental what i'm saying is if you come home from work and you see you know the house still looking like it did when you left well that gets annoying after a while and the point i'm making is i am working on not bringing that to their attention always am i going to quit probably not because i would rather have a clean house than a non-clean house so that's where that will probably end up going i'm just going to be mindful of it and conscious of it and maybe consider how to phrase it maybe consider how to mention it in such a way that it doesn't sound like i'm always telling them what to do or i'm always telling them how to clean up after themselves we'll just see how it works out anyway thank you for listening and i will talk to you soon